Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May. And today we're going to be talking about healing with food with Lynn Bowman. She is and has been featured at women's expos throughout the country, teaming with actress Deidre Hall to write and publish Deidre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up in 2010 and Deidre Hall's How Does She Do It in 2012. She's won national awards as a creative director for Silicon Valley Companies, was creative director at E&G Gallo Winery, advertising manager at Redken Laboratories, and freelanced for agencies in San Jose, L.A., and New York. She has also worked as an actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and television weather person. Lynn has three grown children, two absolutely perfect grandchildren, and is president of the Pescadero Community Foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California, so she's not too far for where, from where I am in Lake Tahoe, so I'm always excited to speak with another fellow Northern Californian. <laughs> welcome, Lynn, welcome. I'm so happy to be with you, and I know I've driven by, I've driven over 80 so many times, and now I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll wave when I drive over there. My youngest grandchild and youngest daughter are both in Reno, Nevada, so um, I make that trip as often as I can. You know, we're going to talk about diabetes and how to really heal diabetes with food. So that's what sort of that's my local, my wheelhouse now. Um, so, yeah, let's dive in and tell me about your backstory and how you came to be part of this project and really passionate about this work specifically. Well, okay, and I'm going to start from the front because I, I love to be able to say I'm 77. Yes, I am 77 years old. And for a diabetic, that's an achievement. <laughs> you know, that's great to feel good about being 77. And I'm looking for another 25 years, and I want them to be great. And I want them to be great for all of you out there listening who have been diagnosed. Uh, I knew that I was type 2 diabetic or was going to be, was heading that direction in my early 40s, which a lot of us don't learn until later on. Uh, but I had gestational diabetes. And as you may know, uh, the again, listeners who are familiar with diabetes and what it does, uh, that's an indicator that you are probably going to go down that path. But what they told me, Lara, back in the day was it's just going to progress, you know, you, you do the best you can and don't eat and keep your weight and, but it's just going to progress. And guess what? No, it doesn't. Right. You can definitely control it, manage it, reverse it. And my numbers now just look normal. Uh, I, I will never not pay attention. I will never not do what I do to stay healthy because it's always there, you know, it can come back if if you don't watch what you're doing and, and eating and so on. But I am happy to be here with you telling everybody who's listening that you can fix it. Uh, and yes, I take metformin, which I find is hilarious now. It's, it's the longevity drug. It's mm -hmm. now a designer drug, right? that yeah. everybody wants to take. Well, guess what? I have it and I take it every night and I'm fine taking it. Um, but yeah, I don't have high blood pressure. 
I don't have any any symptoms of anything except I'm a little crabby at night. <laughs> I get tired, but I get to do that because I'm a grandma. So yeah. It's okay. <laughs> So the book that we're discussing today is Brownies for Breakfast, yes. and it's a cookbook. Yes. Um, but what intrigued me and what, you know, um, instigated me wanting to have you on the show is that it is dairy-free, keto, low-carb. Um, you know, it it's really sort of, and, and the title too, I feel like it sort of gives you know, whether you have insulin resistance, type two diabetes, or even really type one diabetes, and, and you don't want to live that life of deprivation all the time, it gives you the tools that so many people are looking for out there. And, uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, diabetes is one of the worst managed health conditions that Western medicine address. Yeah. And technically, Western medicine addresses all of them. But, um, you know, to some extent better or worse across the spectrum so um unfortunately so i'm really excited to see a book like this out there and available to the public thank you and the more i know you know the more research the more reading i do and probably the same for you the more you realize that it doesn't matter if you've got heart disease kidney disease fatty liver disease whatever the prescription is essentially the same it's real food whole food mostly plants there you go right uh and the only diet that works is the one you can stay on for the rest of your life so you know right. I, it it really tickles me now on on youtube and i watch all of you yeah, i try and kind of stay up with who's doing what and there are all these bros who come out in their t-shirts with their muscles bulging and they're 32 or 35 and they're talking about the best you know the the optimum human diet for longevity and i'm thinking what the heck do you know you're 32 right you're 35 <laughs> what do you know about longevity Right. And plus, when your wife finds out how much time you spend in the gym, she's going to kill you. So it doesn't matter what you're <laughs> telling people about longevity. Um, yeah. So keto, carnivore, paleo, it, it's, it's really simple and it's kind of all the same thing. It's good sense. Real food. Read the label on everything that you eat. And if it's got more than two or three ingredients, make sure you know what those ingredients are. And you could, if you can't pronounce them, you probably shouldn't be eating them. That's my personal feeling. Um, mm -hmm. And I always played a game with my kids. I've been at this a long time, and I would make them read to me the label. And if they had, if they had to struggle to read those words, I'd go, uh huh, mm hmm. And what are those things? You know, the dextrose, maltrose, you know, or what is that? Mm -hmm. uh, and what that is, is a chemical added to the food by a guy in a building in New Jersey so that you can't stop eating it, so that you'll be addicted to it. And and the way to avoid that is really simple. Just don't don't eat. Can I say on your can I say crap? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You can curse. <laughs> If Good. you want. <laughs> so the, the secret is don't eat crap. That's yeah. really basically it. And Americans have been eating crap. And it's, you know, it's the end of summer, as you and I 
record this. And so your friends are coming back from Europe, those who have been brave enough to travel to Europe. Mm -hmm. But they all come back saying the same thing. The food is amazing. The food is so wonderful. Well, guess why? Most of those chemicals are are against the law in Europe to put in mm -hmm. foods. And most of the food that you've been eating was fresh. It was picked that morning or the day before. It was, you know, made from an old recipe by a grandma somewhere. So, yeah, the food is amazing. And that's what this book is about. Uh, it's granny food. You know, it's simple, doable, a few ingredients. Because my, I'm not a fabulous, I'm not trained as a chef. I don't call myself a fabulous cook. What I am is a single mom who raised three kids, working all the time. Okay, this is familiar to many of you. Mm -hmm. And and so my skill set is how I get a meal on the table in 15 minutes that's healthy, delicious, looks good, tastes good, boom. That's the whole deal right there. Yeah, absolutely. And and for sure, I mean, like so many of us have such busy, busy lives. And, you know, there's, of course, the busy professional working woman, like you said, providing for her children and family. And, you know, or maybe it's just maybe even if you're single, you know, how to because I feel like a lot of people too, they're just like, well, it's just me. Why would I cook when it's just me? And I talk a lot about not eating alone. I would like everybody to think of, I mean, this is not news. There is a loneliness epidemic mm -hmm. and loneliness has been implicated in more deaths than anything in this country. It's, it is a medical problem. And one of the ways that you can solve it is to try and find some way to not eat always by yourself. And that can be the lady down the hall who, you know, you take her something, you knock on the door, Mrs. Johnson, I made some soup. Would you like some? Old as time, right? Mm -hmm. It's very old. Or go down the street and, and sit outside and eat something um, on a, in a park, you know, it, I don't know, anywhere that you can where there are people. Call a friend, text a friend. And say, I'm going to eat at six and I have more than I can eat. Come over. Just really make an effort to not always, I mean, a lot of us are going to be alone for some meals. But if you're eating every meal alone, I know you and you get sloppy. You know, you, you don't pay attention. You just shovel it in. You're hungry and you just shovel it in. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, mindful eating is such a huge, so it's not just what we eat, it's how we eat. So are we yes. distracted? Or do we have the TV on? Yes. Um, you know, are we eating standing up? I am actually guilty of this today. My husband and I are in the middle of our laundry room remodel. And I was like, I have to eat real quick before we get this project started. And, I, you know, and I'm like, I know this is bad for me. But you know, so I know, if I'd been in the room, I would have hollered at you. Sit down. <laughs> I was hollering at myself in my head. <laughs> yeah. But so, but, and so it is about holding ourselves accountable when we know better, do better. And like you said, bringing that community in so that, you know, maybe, maybe even your best friends across the country, but maybe you guys FaceTime together while you Absolutely. eat or something like that. Yes. You I can mean, do it now. Yeah. So That's even fine. though you know, like the social media, they've, 
studied it and found that it actually is contributing to this loneliness epidemic. I think there's definitely ways that we can use this technology to our advantage. Thank so it doesn't you. have to be that way. It's how you use it. And I'll give you an example. I have breakfast with my grandson who will be two in a month and we have breakfast together whenever we can on Facebook messenger. And he loves it. And it's hi Mimi, you know, and, yeah. and I see he's eating and he shows me that he knows how to use his spoon. And that's how he knows me. If it weren't for that, I would get, it would be weeks between visits. As it is, we get to visit every day. So it, that is a great tool. Thank you for bringing that up. The other thing it's important to remember is that it's not just what you eat or who you eat with, it's when you eat. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. And a lot of people are talking about fasting and intermittent fasting now, but for the diabetic community, it is really, really transformative. If you can train yourself to eat your last bite of food before three or four in the afternoon and leave hours before you go to bed, a couple of very important things happen. One, you sleep better. Two, you initiate autophagy, which I don't know if you've talked about it on your show yet, but it's a vital process. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's a vital <laughs> process that your body does, which means auto autophagy virtually means self-eating. So it's your body consuming. The cells are eating up the, the worn out cells. They're recycling the cells that need to be recycled. They're doing all this essential cleaning, house cleaning work that they can only do when you stop shoveling food in. So it's that pizza that you have in front of Jimmy Kimmel at night that's doing the damage. What you eat in the morning and midday when the sun is high and your body is churning and your digestion is going, that's not the food you need to worry about. It's the food that you eat late that you need to worry about. And your sleep, your deep sleep, and you, you know this, you don't heal except in deepest sleep. That's the only time your body is able to really heal. Mm -hmm. So it's the combination of sleep and food and company that are the magic. Yes, unfortunately, still, uh, you know, on the traditional Western medicine allopathic side of things, they're still beating this drum of eat every three to four hours no. to make sure that you don't go too low, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you're bottoming out within three to four hours, then your medication, like I would assume that you're on medication and that medication actually needs to be tweaked and dialed in and, right. and optimized a little bit better. We and should we all, always yeah. told, yes, eat <laughs> continually small meals and it's it's out there still today people are still saying that and it took me a while to get comfortable with a little bit of hunger mm -hmm. because i always kind of read hunger as a signal that oh something's wrong you know i'm i'm my blood sugar's low this that no it's just your body's going okay good you're emptying out that's good that's fine right yeah now if you're if you're getting lightheaded if you have it's a different. headache, yeah, those are, and you're maybe cold sweats or shaking, That those are signs of low blood sugar. But yeah, just a little, you know, gnaw of hunger and, you know, that's normal and we should all be tuning in. Again, like 
going back to this whole concept of mindful eating is tuning into our body and really yeah. listening and saying, am I really hungry right now? Maybe I'm dehydrated and I just need some water. Yes. I tell a lot of my patients, you yes. know, if that first sign, that first little feeling of hunger, have a big glass of water and then revisit and like, 15 to 20 minutes. If you're still hungry, then sure, eat something, you know. Another a, thing that happens is we, we're bored and it mm -hmm. reads as hunger. Oh, Your absolutely. Your body's going, well, why don't you eat something? No, do something, right? Right. Distract yourself and do something. And an hour goes by and all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's that dopamine. Your body is looking for that mm -hmm. dopamine hit. So it's, it's really interesting, too, when we get down into, like, the nitty gritty of the neurotransmitters and our, and our hunger signals and all that stuff. And which might be a little bit too deep for, you know, for some out there, but just understanding that hunger is yes, it's blood sugar operating. It's, you know, like, is your stomach empty, you know, but it's also neurotransmitter and hormonally driven as well. Support is yeah. all, you know, like if, if you're running on stress mode and your cortisol is elevated, that can send you false, signal, false signals of hunger as well. Right. And if you're eating well at breakfast, or and there's a lot of talk out there now about one meal a day or two meals a day. Um, and again, the bros in the t-shirts are big on, oh, I only eat one meal a day. Well, fine. But most of us would prefer to eat more often than that. Uh, but there's no reason why you have to get up in the morning and shovel a lot of breakfast in. You know, right. we Americans have always been told, oh, eat your breakfast. You know, it's the most important meal of the day. So, no, really no. And especially if you're used to eating a bagel and cream cheese or something for breakfast, yeah. that's a big, big no. <clears throat> um, so in my case, uh, I have the the luxury of not having to run off most days at you know seven or eight o'clock in the morning to go to work. So I will eat for the first time very often at ten or eleven in the morning, and I I will eat. I, I my advice to everybody, and I do it myself, is I try and eat something leafy at every meal. So my breakfast usually includes something leafy, some chopped cabbage, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the habits that I talk about in, in my book that is new to some people. If you're recently diagnosed and you're changing the way you're eating, I don't want I don't want you deprived. I don't I want you to love your food. But what I talk about is more color, more texture, more variety, which means a little more work. Somebody's going to have to think about it ahead and buy this stuff. Somebody's going to have to actually go in the kitchen and chop something, a little bit of something. But it's not complicated. It just means you need to think about it. You can mm -hmm. no longer just open a package and shovel it in or go yeah. down the street or have DoorDash show up with it. You have to think about it. You have to be conscious of what you're eating and and know that it is nutritious. And Another way to think about that is every bite that goes in your body, you want to be nourishing you. Every single bite. So that doesn't mean going hungry or not eating enough. or It just means eat the best food just the way you would feel about your Labrador retriever, right? You want little Fluffy to have the very best fuel, the very best food in his little body. Well, can we just think of ourselves with as much care 
and make sure that when we put something in, it's going to nourish us. It's not right. That yeah, I think just even this concept of habit changing when we are looking at, okay, we're staring down the long road of what could be, you know, type 2 diabetes and all of the things that that entails. And that I think, you know, I was even told like in my 30s, like, oh, your your glucose is creeping up, you might have some insulin resistance, you might want to keep an eye on that. There, There is a history of diabetes in my family. But I feel like at this point, a long history, like who doesn't because we've been eating yeah. like crap for so long. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so then that that decision making like, okay, I'm going to take an active role in my health, I'm going to start pay attention. I'm going to change my habits. It's a process versus I'm going to listen to the doctor, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to do anything. I'm going to take the medication and expect it to fix me. You know, like these are two completely opposite approaches to the same problem. So are we going to, you know, take an active role, empower ourselves, look at those habits, honestly, without self-judgment or beating up on yourself, you know, love and compassion all the way. And, you know, start small. What can you like fit in this week? Is it meal prepping? Maybe it's, you know, actually going out instead of making your own salad, maybe it's buying a salad kit. But making sure that, you know, it doesn't have croutons and all the, you know, the different thing, you know, it like just little steps here and there along the way. I highly recommend Trader Joe's for having grab and go bags of salad with no cruddy dressing in it. Mm -hmm. um, there in my book, one really popular recipe is two ingredients and I highly recommend it. And it's a tahini dressing that you make with, guess what? Tahini which is, you know, excellent food. It's protein, it's seeds, it's all the things that you need. And then some really good balsamic vinegar. I buy some from a, a local place that makes uh, apple, Gravenstein apple cider uh, vinegar and Blenheim apricot vinegar. And so the just the flavor of a good vinegar and tahini makes the best dressing ever. That's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah, that's it. Well, and so part of this process, too, I think people need to understand is that your taste buds, when you're eating the processed food, when you're eating the things with all the extra added sugar, fake sugar, high fructose corn syrup, maltodextrin, all of the, the quote unquote bad things, they're bad. They're not good for us. Let's just be honest. It changes your palate. It changes yeah. your taste buds. It changes even how your brain senses what you're eating. So part of this process, when we shift into eating real, whole, raw foods that are actually good for us, your palate is going to go undergo some changes. And so yes. that's to be expected. At first, you might have to work a little harder. I hate using that word work and hard together, but, you know, to make the food palatable for you, but it's just a transition, you know, in terms of resensitizing your palate to all the different areas of taste, the bitter, the sour, obviously the sweet will, you know, readjust itself when it's less um, stimulated all the time with over sweetness. So I think that's something to keep in mind too, is, adding in those astringent um, flavors 
really actually helps to start shifting things. And that'll affect your cravings too. Once you resensitize your palate, your cravings for the sweet stuff will actually decrease. And Absolutely. Yeah. Your saliva changes chemically. Uh, and you'll you'll be different. And another thing that I'm fond of saying is, of course, you know that sugar is addictive. And I don't know that everyone understands that we, we don't mean addictive in a metaphorical way. We mean it is addictive. It's more addictive in the lab than heroin. Mm -hmm. And so if I said to you, well, I'm addicted to heroin, but I'm going to cut back. What would you say to me? You'd say, girl, ditch it. Drop it like a hot rock. Be done. Mm -hmm. done. Just stop. Stop. Mm -hmm. And and that's my response to people saying, well, I'm not eating as much sugar as I used to. Stop. You know, if you only do one thing for your health, that's the thing I recommend today. Make that decision. Because if you are really honest with yourself, and you look up what that sugar is doing to your body, whether you're diabetic or not, it, wouldn't you tell your child, I mean, is this how you want to feed your family? Is this how you want to feed yourself? And I, I, a thing I am asked about often is sugar substitutes. I'm a believer in a good sugar substitute. And one of the ones that I want to mention today, if you don't know about it, listeners, is allulose. It's a natural product. It tastes great. It's got one ingredient in it. That ingredient is allulose. <laughs> and it works great in, in the baked goods. It, it's not quite as sweet as sugar. You use maybe a little more sometimes to get as much sweetness. <laughs> but it's a brilliant sugar <laughs> substitute. So don't tell me that you can't quit sugar because you can't find a way to replace it that isn't that's healthy. It's, you can. There's also chicory root. There's also, uh, which is inulin. There's also, um, oh, I don't know, there are a number of, I'm not big on on xylitol. Um, mm -hmm. And um, erythritol has some problems for some people for digestive issues. But if you haven't tried it, get some allulose right now and see if that doesn't do the job for you. Um, and uh, it's also important that your food is beautiful. I'm just opening up pages of the book here. You know, some of the things that you will just cut up that you don't do a thing to, you'll find yourself going, wow, this is really pretty, right? It's, it's really delicious looking. Um, here's stewed apricots, um, mm -hmm. one of my favorite things in the whole world. So simple and so absolutely delicious. Um, people ask me if I am vegan and I have been, I spent a year as a vegan, uh, after I went to a conference, uh, about it and it was fascinating and my numbers reflected that my numbers looked fabulous after that year. They really, really bounced down to no more diabetes. So that was, I interpreted that as Okay, I can take that forward. I do eat some meat carefully. I, I source my meat very carefully. It's local, it's grass-fed, it's, mm -hmm. you know, um, not 
factory farmed. I have neighbors who grow beef and lamb and uh, things. And, and so I get local stuff. Eggs, same thing. The eggs are very nutritious. They're local. They're no chicken is harmed in the, mm -hmm. in the laying of the eggs that I eat. So I do eat those things, but in moderation. Yeah. Right. Yes, because there are something, you know, some essential vitamins that only come from animal products. But I, you know, remind my clients too that milk, it's specifically milk, has so much sugar. And, and so, and excuse yeah, I just me, ew, yeah. ew. Yeah, gross. <laughs> I mean, but it's so ingrained in our culture, especially in some areas of the country. The, and, and it's been, you know, sort of drilled into our head by big pharma and big food. And, you know, even the USDA. Yeah. That, oh, you have to have milk for certain vitamins and minerals. And that's just not true. There's more no. calcium, zinc, magnesium in spinach than there is, you know, a glass right. of milk. Or broccoli and, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the hormones that most of the milk that you're buying out there, those cows are not healthy. You're drinking that inflammation too. You're drinking those chemicals. You're drinking those antibiotics. Yeah. And on top of all the sugar that is in, in that milk. So one of, I, I'm, I'm dairy free personally. Also, I have a casein allergy, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but it took me forever to even figure that out. I was in my thirties before I realized that the so milk was causing, yeah, yeah, my chronic sinus infections and so many more inflammation issues that were going on in my body. When I eliminated dairy, so many things cleared up. And that's what I tell people too. First thing, if you're having an issue, get the dairy out right now. Of course, take the sugar out right now. And a, a startling number of people are at that point, oh, I'm good. And it's fine. All of my mm -hmm. stomach issues gone. You know, I'm okay. Uh, milk is the big one for sure. And now, and the last the last few years have have brought this wonderful bunch of new um, cheese-like cashew cheeses. Mm -hmm. and, and then the other thing that people need to know is that if it's goat's milk or sheep's milk, it's not the same protein as, exactly. as cow's milk. So can you eat sheep's milk, goat's milk? Or? I can. Yes. Okay. And, and so, yeah, I would even tell people too, like the kefir products. So, cause yes. you know, fermented foods are so good for us. So yes. yeah, a sheep or a goat's milk kefir product too, can be really Excellent. good for that microflora. Which brings us to some swell things like kimchi that no one was talking about um, un unless you were Korean uh, four or five years ago. And all of a sudden people have discovered how colorful, how delicious, how versatile kimchi is. If you haven't tried it, try it. And a wonderful combination would be a great, great kind of bread. And we'll talk about that in a minute. What makes good bread and a goat's milk cheese and kimchi in a grilled sandwich. Fabulous. So good. Or, or just put good, really good dill pickles and goat's milk cheese mm -hmm. on good bread and grill it. Um, every, who doesn't love that? It's, yeah. it's, it's yummy. And it's not that different than what you've been eating. It's just better. Yeah. So let's talk about that bread that, yeah, what does make a good quote unquote bread? Yes. Um, and I've got my, my book open to pancakes, pumpkin pancakes recipe in here. Delicious. Not a thing wrong with them. Uh, so easy. 
uh, that your kids can make them. And, oh, there's recipes in here also for sugar-free donuts. Hello, who doesn't love that, right? Um, and you bake them. So yeah. you can do this. The only thing different will be you'll have to buy that pumpkin, I mean, the um, donut baking pan. Okay, here's what I call bread. This is sourdough walnut bread from, um, there are two bakeries locally that make this. One is Acme up in the city and one is um, Companion Bakery, Bake Shop in Santa Cruz. And they use local einkorn wheat, which is old timey wheat like your grandma. Mm -hmm. And they grind it themselves and it's sourdough, it's fermented. Uh, and it has nothing in it but wheat, the right kind of wheat, and walnuts, and water, and maybe salt, um, and the sourdough starter. Mm -hmm. That's it. And it is beyond delicious. It is the most wonderful bread. It's just, if you're used to fluffy white bread without much taste, the first time you eat this bread, you'll go, wow, wow, because it really has flavor and texture and you know you've eaten something so one or two pieces of this with something good next to it or inside of it and you've had a meal and you know you've eaten and that's i know you've talked probably about that in the past too the more you're nourishing yourself the less hungry you will be mm -hmm. after you eat you don't need to eat in two hours because you've eaten you're good right Yes. And one of the things I also go through with almost all my patients is really evaluating their macros, meaning how much protein, how much fat and how much carbs are we actually eating? Of course, you know, insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, we really want to cut down on the amount of carbs as much as possible. But we also There's don't want to overdo the protein. Yeah. And there, so that's, there's also this concept of empty carbs, meaning like yes. carbs that have no nutritional value whatsoever right. versus the sourdough that you were just speaking about that will have some nutritional value because again, it's from a real um, heritage varietal of, real food. of wheat. Yeah. It's real food. So it has vitamins, nutrients, minerals in it. Um, and then of course, you know, whatever you add to that bread. So if you're adding, adding avocado or maybe you're adding some ghee or butter or peanut butter, almond butter, cashew butter, any of those things. Anytime you add a protein and a, and a fat to that carb, it lessens that spike that you get. So you get, you know, you'll still get a rise, but it won't be the spike and then the crash. It'll be a much more even response. And the fiber. Huge. Yes. yes. Huge. Yes. So important. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. I love this conversation. So one of the things, you know, in the title of your book is it's the brownies for breakfast and the, the people who, and the people who love them for, so for diabetics and the people who love them. Yes. Why, why did you pick that specifically for the title? And I, and I know, you know what I'm talking about. It's very hard to be alone or in your own family, sitting down at the table and grandpa needs one thing and baby Louise needs one thing and daddy never eats that, so he needs another thing. You, to be successful, I deeply believe that you need to all be eating pretty much the same stuff. 
So there's no reason why you as a diabetic or about to be diabetic or thinking about becoming diabetic have to eat differently than the rest of your family. It's just everybody needing to eat whole food, real food, more plants, and it benefits everyone. And I, there, are, there are recipes in my book for macaroni and cheese. Who doesn't love macaroni and cheese? But in my book, you make it with cauliflower uh, instead of just overly ground, overly processed white flour. Mm -hmm. And the pastas that I recommend are, are either um, made with chickpea flour or brown rice uh, pasta. Mm -hmm. And you can still eat all of those things that you love, but you're, you're just making them a smarter way. And if you're eating the same stuff, if the whole family is eating the same stuff, it's easier to stay with it. You can all stay with it. And the only good diet is the one that you can all stay with. And you've talked about blue zones, most likely. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, if you if you look at those, if you talk to those 95, 105 year old men from Sardinia, you know, they've been eating the same stuff as the rest of their family. Everybody's eating the same stuff and they have for their whole life. It's just good food. It's right. whole food. So well, if, yeah. if you go to a family meal there, they're all sitting around the table enjoying the same food. There's not a separate thing for grandpa and a separate thing for baby and a separate thing for mama and daddy and a separate thing for teenage Marie. No, it's all the same. Right. And, you know, this whole concept of, well, um, you know, I, I can't afford to eat healthier. I can't afford to eat well. You know, I can only afford fast food. And my response to that was, well, you're going to pay now or pay later. Can you afford pharmaceutical drugs? Can you afford insulin? Can you afford Ozempic if that's the route that you decide Thank to go you. down? Like, no. Right. And, and, and I believe this is, I actually wrote this into the book because I get this same thing from people. If you go into Starbucks and buy a brownie, how much is it? Four bucks, four and a half bucks, five bucks, or a donut? In my book, made with pumpkin, real pumpkin, um, and nut butter, excellent food. It's these, they're high protein, high fiber, no sugar. They're, they're better than the best protein bar you ever. And my brownies are about 50 cents a piece. And they're a meal. Mm -hmm. whole food real food so don't tell me anybody that you cannot afford to be healthy you can't afford not to be healthy 85 percent right. of the bankruptcies in this country are health related because none of us have good insurance very few of us do and your insurance will not cover and if you really get sick if you do have uh, complications of diabetes, whatever, you can't afford it. You will break your family. One of the reasons I'm doing what I do is because my mother died when I was 18. She died of a chronic disease. She had a kidney disease. And so not diabetes, but at the age of 18, I saw up close and personal what happens to a family when someone in that family has a chronic disease. It took all our money, the house, my dog had to be sent off, literally, 
I, I went off to college that year, but I quit because th there was no money. It broke our family. And I don't want that for anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I think, again, there's just this. And I, I feel like what you and I and platforms like this are putting out there is being heard more and more. And I think it's growing. And I do think there's a shift happening. But for the longest time, it's just been so dominated by, you know, these messages of give your power away to the medicine, give your power away to big food, big pharma, the government, your your doctor even. And really the new health and healing paradigm is empowerment, is an open and equal discussion between your healthcare provider and yourself. Them telling you the truth, hopefully, and and you know, figuring out what works for you within that dynamic. Okay. You know, like, I'm going to take this piece of advice, but I'm going to leave this other one and I'm going to find a different solution and, and knowing that that's okay. And, you know, I've heard from so many people, well, oh, my, my doctor is mad at me. Or even like, sometimes they'll say, well, I feel pressured or bullied by my physician. And that's just not a, a healthy dynamic in any relationship, let alone with someone that's supposed to be there to help you heal. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's really important for all of us to realize that we create our health. It's our decisions. I, you know, I just, um, I think I have a, if it hasn't published yet, I have an episode coming out where I talk about radical responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, that is also an act of self-love. Do we love ourselves enough to make the right choices? No, you know, knowing in our hearts what the right choice is for us. And you just said it, it's one of my favorite words, decision. It's a decision that you make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. And, you know, it didn't take you, it, you didn't get to this point if you're here, you know, picking up the book and, you know, it didn't take overnight to develop, right? So it's not going to heal overnight. But again, bringing that self-love, that self-compassion, that patience and again, just making, you know, an, another choice, a better choice each and every day. Incremental changes actually do build up or create big shifts, big changes over the long term. So don't, you know, don't try to push yourself too far too fast. <laughs> and then, you know, because that can sometimes set us up for a failure. So just like slow and steady really does win the race. <laughs> I guess. But people, people always use the words baby steps and i'm not real big on baby steps i i like the idea of just making that decision and then going for it and doing the best you can every day uh and and i have a, a new thing there i want to talk about i don't want to forget to talk about it because mm -hmm. uh i was told uh on the on the audible book website that they did not want to do cookbooks and they didn't want to do art books so what i did was a cookbook art book on audible <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But but there's a, a reason for it. I think you'll appreciate this. People seem to respond differently to information that they hear when it's just them in the car listening. And especially women, you know, we've got, oh my gosh, we've got the kids' schedules and the husband's schedules and the stuff, so much roiling around. But most of us have some time alone in the car every day at some point to listen or or maybe when you're at the gym or you're walking or you're running 
So there is now an audible version of Brownies for Breakfast that it's inexpensive compared to the hardback version. It's I think it's $12.99. And I want to hear from people about how it's working. Um, and the idea is that you partner with, you download the ebook, which is also inexpensive. So you can hear about the stories, you can hear about the whys and the wherefores and the new habits and the, how to stock your kitchen. Then when you go home, you can download the recipe on your iPad or your iPhone and see the picture and see the recipe and do the thing. So it's not just a recipe book. It's a here's how you do it book. Good. And so good. Mm -hmm. And there's more to it than just recipes. And, and we all know that. But I'd love to hear from people. Please, if you're able to try it, get in touch with me on my website, lynnbowman.com. It's L-Y-N-N-E. B-O-W-M-A-N.com. And ask me a question. Tell me what you think. Sign up. I'll send you additional recipes. Uh, and not often, because I hate it when people just fill my inbox up with stuff. But I promise you, you'll you'll enjoy these recipes. There's one I just put out for orange snack cake that you make with a whole orange, including the peel. You just chop that thing up a little bit and throw it in the blender with the batter. And it is so good. I mean, orange snack cake, that's not punishment, right? right? Right. But it's good food if you make it with good ingredients. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. I'm so happy that you, you know, you came to this project and did this book and, and that it's on Audible. I am definitely an Audible consumer myself. Right. So, uh, you know, everybody head over to you know, Amazon, whether you get the Kindle or the physical book, and then Audible, of course, is available, uh, lynnbowman.com, L-Y-N-N-E. And um, all of these links will also be available on the show notes page, which lives at drlaramay.com forward slash podcast. So thank you, Lynn. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Is there anything else before we finish up today? Thank you, Dr. Lara. Oh, you know, we could go on and on. I think. We could. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're food geeks, right? And, yeah. And we love the idea that we can help heal people by just uh, teaching them how to make a better brownie. I mean, you know, that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> Who doesn't love that? Yes. So everyone out there know that there are resources for you. There is help there. There is a way through and to reversal, really, if that's what you want for yourself, you can definitely create that in your life. And this is, I think, a great tool to add to your repertoire, your toolbox, you know, however you'd like to say it. So again, Lynn, thank you so much. It was been thank a real pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Lira.